Merry Christmas. It is so, so good to be in the house with you, to have you here to celebrate the greatest gift that the world has ever known. You know, throughout this service, we've talked about gifts, and I thought I'd just kind of begin our time together this evening by asking a couple of gift-related questions, if that's okay. First of all, I have to tell you something. Julie and I, were, my wife Julie and I were speaking earlier this week not about the services or even Lake Hills Church, but I said, you know what's weird? Even at 53 years old, I still get excited about Christmas. That's just, I just do. So I thought, how many people in the room, like right now, and just keep in mind this is confidential, this is all family, how many of us right now are like genuinely excited about Christmas? Can I just see a show of hands? Look at that. Look at all the grown-ups' hands going up in the room. I love it. I love it. Okay, let me ask you another question now that we're kind of on a roll. How many of us are excited about a gift that you think you're going to receive tomorrow morning when you open presents because opening presents on Christmas Eve is wrong? <laughs> I went to seminary. I know these things. How many of you are excited about a gift you think you're going to receive? Let me see a show of hands. Look at that. I love it. We have some children at heart in the room. This is fun. Okay, last question on this subject. We're going to take the gift thing to the H&L. We're going to go to the whole nother level. How many of us are excited about a gift that you know you are giving this Christmas season? Let me see a show of hands. Look at all the generosity in the room. I love it. Well, I think it's safe to say that gifts and Christmas go together. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think obviously it's possible to get kind of caught up in the material and the commercial side of Christmas. But you know, from the time that our kids were young, young children, Julie and I tried to kind of teach them that every time you give a gift, certainly, but also whenever you receive a gift, that's a reminder of the the greatest gift that has ever been given. Remember that the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him, whoever follows him, whoever walks with him will never die, but will live the life that is truly life, in this life and forevermore. That's the greatest Gift. That's the gift that we celebrate in Christmas. Now, I'll tell you a little, a little secret. If you were to have, be so fortunate as to sit down and have an eggnog latte with my wife, Julie, she would tell you the following. Julie would tell you she is not a good gift giver. Now, the fact is she's a great gift giver, but she doesn't think she's a good gift giver because over the course of our wedded bliss 28 years, it's true that I have maybe given her a, a few more gifts, but that's because of the incredibly, impossibly high bar that she set with a gift she gave me on the occasion of our first anniversary. She set such a high bar that I've been playing gift catch-up for 28 years. And I'll tell you what it is. I don't know if you know this, but did you know that every wedding anniversary is marked by a particular gift of symbolism and significance. Obviously, we know on a 25th anniversary, it's silver. 
On the 50th anniversary, it's gold. Well, as a novice husband, I did not know that the first anniversary material is paper. I didn't know that. Well, Julie did know that. And as a matter of fact, because we were talking about gifts, I actually did some research. Julie, I don't know if you know this, but this is true. This is on Hallmark.com, so you know it's true. <laughs> the, the gift of 29 years, which you and I are coming up on next year, the gift of 29 years is tools. <laughs> That's a true story. So, honey, that socket set you've had your eye on, I got you, girl. Come on now. But I digress. For our first anniversary, Julie gave me a gift of paper. We were living in Dallas at the time. We had been married one year. I was a seminary student. She had just completed her student teaching. And somehow, she made a couple of phone calls to family members and friends. And so for our first anniversary, she gave me two tickets of paper to the Dallas Cowboys season opener. Now, this was back when the Cowboys were the Cowboys. I, I want you to know. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I remember that year Emmett Smith had sat out training camp in a contract holdout. He had just signed a couple of days before. He was there that night in Texas Stadium. Hank Williams Jr. himself was in the house. He rode in on a sky blue caddy with a couple of cheerleaders on either side of him singing, Are you ready for some football? It was unbelievable. I'll never be able to beat that. It doesn't matter what I give her, where we go from here. She set the bar so impossibly high. And I thought about that in thinking about Christmas gifts. I actually kind of went and did some research on Christmas gift giving. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's a relatively new phenomenon. Now, Christmas, we all know, is over 2,000 years old. Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem, a little backwater town just outside of the city limits of Jerusalem. And it was there in Bethlehem that God gave his only son to become a human being like you and me. And he grew up, and the Bible says he, he grew in wisdom and stature. That means he grew up in discernment and physically, and he grew in favor with God and with man. That, that's how God gave his son but then it was a long, 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 long time, going all the way back to like the late 1700s, early 1800s in this country, when people started exchanging gifts for Christmas. And the, the tradition really caught on in, in New York City, because it, during those days, there was kind of a tradition that the, the working class in New York would approach, and sometimes they'd kind of get a little confrontational with the really wealthy elites of Manhattan, and they would ask for food or drink or money to help celebrate the holiday season. And as you might imagine, in the streets of New York, this could kind of get a little out of hand, get a little chaotic. And so some people started creating some new traditions to help move the celebrations from outside on the streets to inside in the homes. And this gift-giving thing was really crystallized with the publication of a poem in 1822. And the, the poem is entitled, A Visit from St. Nicholas, but you and I know it, of course, as the night before Christmas. And when children everywhere started going to bed with visions of sugar plums dancing in their head, 
that was when gift giving really caught on. And then late 1800s, early 1900s, corporate America figured out, man, if we could really get people into this gift giving thing, we can make some bank after Thanksgiving. And so that's why the Christmas season begins before Halloween at Home Depot now. But it's interesting to me that that gift giving is so relatively new because the Bible tells us that at the arrival of Jesus, some some incredibly important visitors showed up at the house of Mary and Joseph to, to worship the Christ child, but also they came bearing gifts. I'm talking, of course, about the magi, the, the, the wise men who came to honor Jesus as they followed the star that had shone down on Bethlehem. And, and the magi are fascinating guys. These are, these are really interesting people. They, they would have come from probably modern-day Iran or maybe somewhere on the Arabian Peninsula, maybe Saudi Arabia. And because the original language of the New Testament calls them magi, we, we know that they would have been some of, the, some of the intellectual greats of their day, some of the statesmen of their day. And they, they were students of the stars. They, they studied astronomy. They would have studied the science of the paths of the stars that you can predict over time. But they would have combined their astronomy with a little bit of astrology also. And they would have, they would have believed that the paths of the stars helped to dictate the course and the path of human events. And, and so... They're showing up at the home of Mary and Joseph to worship Jesus, the Christ child. Would have been like in that day and age if you'd had like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, and Elon Musk showing up with presents. That's what was going on. And in Matthew chapter 2, here's how the Bible describes this moment. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says that they entered the house and saw the child, Jesus, with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. They bowed down and they worshiped him. Isn't that a, it's an amazing picture when you consider the fact that these would have been the leading intelligentsia of their day. And yet they worshiped the Christ child. They worshiped and they they brought gifts. If I can for just a second, go back to the tickets that Julie gave me. Here's what I've thought about about those those gifts and also the gifts that the Magi brought to Jesus. The perfect gift, it always kind of has some some characteristics to it. it. It shares with other great gifts. Great gifts are always personal. They're always personal. Like they are for you. Like Julie knew. We'd only been married a very short time, but she knew I had grown up a Cowboys fan. She knew that I loved, loved, loved the Cowboys. So that was, that was personal. A second characteristic of a great gift is that great gifts are relational. When you give a gift that you know is personal, that you've thought about that other person, and, and you've, you've gone to some trouble, maybe even some expense, that is, that's something that kind of creates a bond and a relationship. I remember when Julie gave me those tickets to the game, our anniversary was about a month before the game actually happened, and she, she gave them to me at dinner one night, and I was kind of like, I've never loved you more than in this moment right now. <laughs> it, it, but it, it, yes, it was a material gift, but it was, it was relational. There was something else going on there. Uh, the third characteristic of a great gift 
They're, they're personal, they're relational. But number three, great gifts are free. How many of us like free 99? Can I just see a show of hands? It's just free. There, was no, there were no strings attached. There, there wasn't anything. I, could, I had to jump through any hoops to achieve the tickets or anything like that. The, the gifts that the Magi brought to Jesus, those, those were incredibly personal. They, they didn't know this Christ child, but because of the star that they had followed that shone down on Bethlehem, they, they sought something. And when the Bible says that they worshiped him, worship is ultimately a relational exercise. It's not religious. It's relational. Religion is fine as far as it goes, but only to the degree that it feeds a relationship with God. If you have a relationship with God, then religion and tradition and ritual can be incredibly meaningful and helpful. But if you don't have the relationship, I think a lot of us know, maybe from experience, that, that religion and ritual by itself just isn't enough. We need that relationship part. And the Magi, these gifts that they brought to the Christ child, they, they, this was just a baby as far as they knew. They knew there was something different about him, but they didn't want anything from him. They were completely free. Now, it's interesting that the Bible goes to the trouble to list gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It doesn't say what the significance of those gifts are, but I think it's interesting that those gifts are included in there. Let me ask you another question about the Magi. If you know the answer, just shout it out. How many Magi, how many wise men were there worshiping and bringing gifts? Three. Three. Maybe. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It just says wise men came from the east. It was just plural. So it had to be at least two. It could have been 200. It may have been three. The reason we think it's three is because there were three gifts mentioned. But, you know, they, they, they could have kind of divvied that up a little bit differently. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh are significant in what they represent. I want you to think about gold, frankincense, and myrrh and, and understand what they mean as they relate to Jesus. When, when you see the gold that the wise men gave, the gold represents the the royalty of Jesus. This was the Messiah, the promised king of Israel. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and gold is a gift fit for a king. So the gold represents his royalty. The frankincense represents his divinity, the fact that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. This wasn't just another baby that was born into the world. This was the son of the living God in human form, occupying a body, occupying space on earth. And he was divinely appointed. Frankincense was a fragrance that would have been added to anointing oil whenever someone took on a divinely appointed job. And certainly Jesus was taking on a divinely appointed job. But the myrrh, I think, is even more interesting and, and kind of curious because gold, we understand he's a king. Frankincense, we understand that that's, that that's his divinity. But myrrh, myrrh represents the humanity of Christ. Myrrh represents humanity because myrrh was one of the primary spices in that day and age that was used to 
preserve bodies for burial. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 10, in John, the Bible tells us that Joseph of Arimathea, who loaned part of his family gravesite to the body of Jesus, that he brought to Jesus' body after he had been taken down from the cross aloe and myrrh to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. And so there's that, that human side of Jesus that is coupled with his divine nature. And you see it perfectly intertwined, never, never, ever, ever forfeiting any of his divinity in order to take on the humanity that he bore in his body. And that's why we have in Christ Jesus the perfect gift, the perfect gift, because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, I'm gonna go back in time a little bit and tell you part of the reason why those Cowboys season opener tickets from Julie were so special. And to do that, I'm gonna ask you to go back in time. I want you to think back in your memory bank. Just kind of go back through your memory board and see if you can remember, what is the earliest Christmas gift that you remember receiving? What's the earliest Christmas gift memory that you had, that you can go back to a specific thing that, that you got on Christmas morning. As I was preparing for this message, I didn't have to go too far back in my memory bank. I, I knew it, it happened like that. I was six years old in Houston, Texas, and I've shared this with you before, but this gift, I, I kind of saw it in a new light as I was preparing for this Christmas message. This was a gift that my mom and dad gave me for Christmas when I was six years old. I'll never forget, I remember it like I'm standing here right now. I remember running into the Christmas tree. My brothers were younger, so I beat them. We got in there. My dad had that big old eight millimeter film camera. How many of y'all remember those eight millimeter? Had that big battleship spotlight so that everything was lit up and it would blind you if it kind of swept the room. Dad was working the camera and, and I ran to the, to the Christmas tree and picked up some of the presents that you know we'd already kind of been shake rattling and rolling trying to figure out what was inside. When out of the corner of my eye, I saw a gift that was unwrapped that had not been there the night before. And out of the corner of my eye, I just saw my name, Mac, on the side of it. I actually have a, a screenshot of this. This is the gift that was given. This is an autographed picture to me from Roger Staubach, quarterback of the Cowboys, when Cowboys were really Cowboys. <laughs> But I want you to look at this. This thing, when I was six years old, I, I still can't believe my mom and dad pulled this off. Look at this. You want to talk about personal? To Mac. Do you know what that means? That means that Roger and I are like this. <laughs> to Mac. It was personal. That, that gift would not have worked for one of my brothers. Their names are Pat and Gil. They would have been so disappointed in my parents. And it says, to Mac, best wishes. Not just good wishes. Oh, no, 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 no. Roger had best wishes for me. So it was, it was relational. And, you know, as I got older and I, I look back on that gift, and I think about what my parents went through to get it for me. They didn't, we didn't know Roger Staubach. They didn't hang out. 
We had a close personal friend who lived in Dallas. He knew somebody who worked for the Cowboys who, who went to Roger and said, Roger, there's this kid in Houston. He's going to grow up to be a phenomenal preacher one day. Would you mind please? I'm just kidding. He said, that. He said would you just sign it to Mac? M-A-C, no K. But I got to tell you, as a 53-year-old guy, I, I go back. I'm a kid at six all over again. And I think what my mom and dad did to make that happen in advance there's no telling how far out they made that happen. This was long before you could buy stuff on eBay. This was before athletes had autograph shows and got paid hundreds of dollars per autograph. This didn't happen. This was strictly a gift that happened because of relationship. And then third, let me tell you something. This gift was free 99 to your boy. This didn't cost me anything. It wasn't like mom and dad had this gift under the tree and they said, Mac, Here's this autographed picture from Roger. If you will make your bed every day this year and never, ever talk back to your parents ever again, you can keep the present. They just, they just gave it. No strings attached. I don't know of a better description of the gift of Christmas than to say that Jesus is personal. Jesus, Jesus loves you. It's true that the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's true. But understand, when, when that word world is used in John chapter 3, that means you. By name. By name. I hope that it kind of knocks you off of your Christmas seat a little bit to think about the fact that the God of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, knows you and made you on purpose with a purpose. You don't get any more personal than that. He knows you. And he loves you as is. He loves you. That, that means that he is relational. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, this is salvation, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He's relational. It's, it's the most intimate human relationship words that are used to know God. He's personal, he's relational. And this may shock somebody here. It's absolutely free. Here, here's, the, here's the good news about the good news. You can't earn it. Turn to your neighbor and with a Christmas smile on your face, tell him, you can't do it. You can't do it. Well, I, man, I, I'm going to be a good person. I think God will let me into heaven because I'm a good guy. I'm a good girl. I love you. And no, you're not. None of us is good enough. Good enough is perfection. That's why Jesus became a human being. He is the only one who has achieved moral perfection, righteousness, holiness. That's the bar. I'm not getting there. I think Julie's awesome. 
I remember one time, a long time ago, she got mad at me. I made a mistake once. <laughs> Nobody is getting there on our own. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. This is a Christmas verse. For the wages of sin is death. The, the payoff, the compensation for my sin, your sin, is death. Alienation, separation from the God of life, the God who loved you enough to create you as is. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift. You, you can't earn it. All you can do is receive it. All you can do is respond. That's, that's why grace is so amazing. It is by definition undeserved. I can't earn it. You can't earn it. None of God's children can earn his grace. It is a gift. And like any gift, whether it's an autographed picture of Roger Staubach or two tickets to a Cowboys season opener 28 years ago, because right now a gift to the season opener wouldn't be that big a gift. Whatever, <laughs> whatever the gift is, it has to be received. It has to be taken I don't know where you are this Christmas. I, I don't know what your spiritual journey looks like, but I do know this. You now know the good news of Jesus Christ. You have heard the gospel. God made sure that you were here for a divine appointment. And now, if you've never done it before, you have the opportunity to receive the gift. You have the, the privilege to just say, God, I need that. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. And I, I believe. Yeah, it, it takes faith for sure. Show me a relationship that doesn't. But I, I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead with the promise of new life, the life that is truly life for anyone who would receive it. If you've never taken that step personally and definitively, we want to give you the opportunity to do that in this Christmas Eve service. Don't let this slide by. I, I want to ask you if you would, with nobody moving around, nobody stirring, if you would just bow your heads for a moment. We, we bow our heads in respect, out of reverence, for the fact that God's moving in people's lives. And so that's sacred. That's holy ground. If you would like to receive that gift, the perfect gift of Jesus, into your life and follow him, then we invite you just to pray right where you're sitting. Just communicate from your heart to God's. Silently in your own words, just say something like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I know I do. And so I confess my sin to you, holding none of it back, in order to receive 
all of your grace and forgiveness. Jesus, I choose to believe that you died on the cross for me. And I choose to believe that you rose again for me. And right here, right now, I accept. Jesus, in exchange for your life, I give you mine. And I will follow you from this moment forward with everything I have. Lord, this is my Christmas prayer. If you would just remain with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for another moment. If even one person in this room just prayed that prayer in a minute for the first time in their lives, the Bible says that all of heaven celebrates that. Isn't that an amazing picture? An amazing thought? And so, if that was your prayer, then as a church, we just want to help with what's next. And so I want to ask you just to help us help with what's next a little bit, if you will. Just right where you're sitting, if you would, just right now, take out your program that you got when you came in. Caleb referenced it earlier in our service. Inside is a connect card. That's for you. I want to ask you just to start filling it out with contact information. We always keep that in-house. About halfway down the page, you'll notice there's a place to indicate I committed my life to Christ this week. If you would indicate that. And then... You can take that card and fold it in half and before you leave, when we dismiss in just a few minutes, I wanna ask you to hand that to one of our ushers, one of our hosts. And what that'll do is just begin a, a conversation that will proceed at whatever pace works for you. Like I said, just to help with what's next. Second thing I wanna ask you to do is our heads are bowed for just another moment. If that's your prayer in this place, would you just raise your hand, just quietly raise your hand and hold it up high over your head for a moment? Your hand in the air being just a, a physical statement of the spiritual commitment that you just made. That's the beginning of everything that God's created you for. And just know that as a church, we celebrate that with you. We have a family tradition around here. As you can go ahead and put your hands down, we're going to put our hands together and tell you, welcome home. Welcome home and Merry Christmas.